0: Have you ever wanted to be the first to know if aliens really exist? Well, with Nebula, you can be. Nebula is the streaming service that's home to It's Probably Not Aliens, as well as our YouTube channels. And the best part, all of our content goes up early on Nebula. So when we break first contact with ET, you'll be the first to find out. That's right, you'll be able to listen to the next episode of this show before anyone else. Plus, we post bonus content that you won't find any other place. And the best part, by signing up for Nebula at nebula.tv slash probably not you're directly supporting the show and both of us. So don't wait any longer. Join Nebula today and be the first to know if this time it really is aliens.
1: I've mentioned this before, but if our podcast had an arch nemesis, it would be Eric Von Daniken. I thought it was John Carpenter, but okay. (laughs) That is true. Also, close second. But I bring this up just because, I don't know, I feel like we mention him a lot in, in a lot of episodes. And is there, like, could we possibly do... One episode where we just don't mention Eric Von Daniken at all. I mean, excluding this part where I'm saying that let's not talk about him.
0: This is like writing an essay without using the letter E. Um, uh-huh. Why?
1: What's our topic today?
0: So so, so today we're starting a little uh, sub-series, a podcast within a podcast, if you will, Um, where we're going to profile some of these ancient astronaut dudes. And I have eight, yeah, eight pages of notes about Eric Von Daniken
1: to talk about. Oh, no. Oh, man. Oh, dang. What a bad time to come up with this rule about not mentioning Eric Von Daniken. Oh, beans. Oh, beans. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. Actually, I have no idea. We we played around with the idea of potentially this being a uh, (laughs) multi-part, you know, series. So who knows? I have no idea what's happening, but... You know, I'm interested, ever since we, we started this podcast, we teased this idea of doing these sort of, um, you know, like uh, spotlights on some of the big names in ancient aliens and ancient astronaut theory. And people have really latched onto this idea and they've been wanting us to get into it. And it's only taken us about 32 episodes to start. And who better to start with than, uh, than the father of it all? I, I was going to call him the daddy of it all, but I did not want to <laughs> reference Eric Von Daniken as a daddy. No, thank you yeah ruin me uh fake history daddy (laughs) fake history daddy um yeah
0: so we're talking about the big by the way this is it's probably not aliens a podcast about um ancient aliens and response to ancient astronaut theories and the show ancient aliens and pseudo-archaeology and ufology and um you know this elevator pitch is getting more and more floors as we speak but um, i know now we're on to biographies yeah. So this is a I think this is a good one to talk about. We have we'll, we'll kind of get into a few more profiles as this series goes along, I definitely have uh, one about David Icke that I would very much like to do at some point. Uh But the thing is, Eric von Däniken and the ancient, he's basic, he's not the person who invented ancient astronaut theory, which we'll get into a bit later, but he's almost synonymous with the term. And he popularized it to the extent that he might, especially in the English speaking world, that he might as well be the father of ancient astronaut theory.
1: And uh, even though he's the most well-known known name in that field he is not the most well-known name on this podcast uh because we have names as well oh yes hi how's it going i am your co-host i suppose scott nicewander my job is to really just show up and learn and ask questions and other than that i know nothing
0: and i am scott's co-host tristan Johnson, who do, do, does the, the the frantic reading to fig to answer these questions uh, to just settle all
1: of my history nitpicks in a row. And I'm excited to learn. I'm excited to. I actually really love. I mean, you know this about me and obviously about you. You have a YouTube channel about history. I have a YouTube channel that talks a lot about history, even if it's not dedicated specifically to history. But I feel like, I don't know, I feel like I have, uh, I, I, I'm just, I'm very interested, I'm very fascinated by history, and so, especially history about specific people, so I'm really excited about this episode.
0: Oh boy, yeah, we've got a real, we got a real humdinger of an episode today, so, Yeah. As I mentioned, we're talking about Eric Von Daniken, uh, the big guy uh, who you probably if you are coming to this podcast, having watched episodes of Ancient Aliens, he's interviewed in nearly every episode, at least in the early episodes. But almost every major ancient alien theory has either been written by, or at least claimed to have been written by, or plagiarized by, or (laughs) or wholly fabricated by Eric von Daniken. He's -hmm. at least in its vein. There's, um, there's. He's had such a huge impact in the realm of pseudoscience and pseudo history and pseudo archaeology that, um there are actually like I was reading this book to um, to talk about this, and that in the 80s, there was this period where, there was this this like acceptance that like pseudo history and pseudo archaeology is going to become the mainstream idea of what we think of when we think of the past. It's going to supplant actual history and actual archaeology just because
1: Whoa.
0: Eric Von Daniken and company were just getting so popular that it was just going to outshine like so that the popular conception of like all of these things was going to be the ancient astronaut theory on it. So that's
1: why am I misunderstanding what the prefix pseudo is? Because in my head, pseudo always meant, like, not real. So the fact that... Means fake. Yeah, okay. So it's just weird. That's what I figured. So it's just weird to hear, like, yeah, pseudo-archaeology is going to take over the mainstream. Knowing that pseudo archaeology means, like, fake archaeology. I, I, I wouldn't know if that's a good thing, Tristan.
0: No, it's not. The person who was saying that was um, lamenting it.
1: Okay, they were... Yes, that makes more sense to me now. I, Okay, that's good. I don't want that to happen either.
0: Yeah, no, I, no one does. But yeah, Eric Von Daniken, interesting person, um, has a kind of twisting, turning story about how he became a mega-famous author of... Um, made up history, uh, and also a long list of crimes. Oh boy! Oh yeah, fun. Um, so so yeah, and claims about you know maybe whether or not he actually wrote some of the things that he says, and all all sorts mm. of it
1: goes all sorts of fun places. But yeah, let's let's talk. Let's talk about Eric. Now let's let's establish some ground rules here. Are we going to uh, tackle this from an unbiased, totally? Uh, neutral standpoint or are we are we just going to let our our disdain for Eric Von Daniken fly a little bit here in this episode?
0: I will reserve my judgment for all of the damage that he has done to history and archaeology and the public understanding of the past for the end. OK. But I will talk rather neutrally about his life story uh, up until then. But um, but yeah, I definitely think that we will have some
1: hostile leaning riffs
0: because Yeah.
1: I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna try my best to be neutral and non judgmental. All right. So with that in mind, let's learn a little bit about Eric von Daniken. Sure.
0: So yeah As you know, Eric von Daniken uh, has been written as possibly the most famous advocate of the existence of ancient astronauts—that they brought civilization to humanity and even mated with primitive humans to produce truly modern intelligent beings, i.e., us. That's that's his claim to fame. Uh huh. Uh huh. I'm following so far. Our story of Eric von Daniken starts where a lot of horrible stories start in Switzerland. Uh, (laughs) Switzerland.
1: Until you return
0: all of that Nazi gold, I'm going to make. (laughs) Switzerland jokes, it's
1: fine. You know, I I had already decided that I was the very first thing you were going to say. I was going to... Let my guard of neutrality down and be like, oh, not that, anything but that. That sucks. Uh, but <laughs> then you just said Switzerland, and I was like, you know what? That's what's what working for me. Mm-hmm. Aw, Switzerland. Oh man.
0: My great grandfather was from Switzerland, so I think I'm allowed to do this. I don't know. I have to, I have to stop leaning on that because I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm I my, my ethnic pie chart is far too uh, mixed up for me to just like be able to claim everything. But um,
1: <laughs> that's fair.
0: Uh, but yeah, Eric Von Daniken was born. Born in 1935, in a city called um, Zofingen okay. in Switzerland. Sure. And he grew up as the son of committed, dedicated Roman Catholics, as you do in Switzerland. Uh-huh. And he spent his childhood learning at a
1: Catholic boarding school. Uh, called the School of St. Michel at Freiburg. But soon he would transfer to the School of of, of Hard Knocks.
0: No, right? I mean, he was a, reportedly a very, okay, let me just hear this. Let me just like read this through and see if this makes us both as ADHD people feel like maybe there's some kinship here.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He
0: apparently was, quote, a nonconformist as well as a, quote, disinterested student who had poor mm-hmm. grades and re- behavior your problems Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. everything you're saying right now sounds really familiar so he was already like you know a bit all over the place which you know honestly you know mood Um, yeah (laughs) But he did not just have trouble with his uh, Catholic school. He was also a member of the Boy Scouts, and they also had some issues with him, but not really to do with his. Well, I guess it was to do with his behavior, but not not like, you know, acting out or, you know, being hyper or whatever, but more in the embezzling money um, aspect.
1: Ah. So he was
0: already off to a good start. Um there he was actually apparently investigated uh, by a local magistrate for possibly stealing from the local Boy Scouts treasury. Wow. So. Wow. Getting in early, Eric. Mm-hmm. And he went to the school until basically like until he was about you know 18 years old or 19 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1954, he left and he went to uh, work as a he went to Bern, which is a big city in Switzerland, and went to go work as a bartender in a hotel. Oh, rad. Yeah. So far. So, so good. You know, uh, acting out, possibly stealing from the Boy Scouts. We're off to, you know, and then yeah. you know, getting a job as a bartender. There is,
1: yeah, there's some ups and downs. There's some there's some very normal stuff and then some very like, oh, I don't know about that one. But otherwise, you know, this this feels Unremarkable in a lot of ways so yeah. far. Yeah, I like bartending.
0: I, I yeah. have a bartending license. I I, I I I I respect that drip. But unfortunately, he couldn't do. He couldn't keep doing. Uh, a normal thing like being a bartender which is a cool and respectable profession absolutely uh, instead he took an interest in archaeology so he would save up all of his all of his bartending money and uh-huh. go on trips around the world to find ancient sites that was his like hobby again same I I, I love that idea as someone who sure in 2011 at the age of like 23 went to uh, Mexico City uh, with like no money
1: on my own yeah. I yeah, that. yeah, there's nothing wrong with wanting to travel and see the world and see the cool places. Mm-hmm. In
0: 1960, he met Elizabeth, who he married, and he is uh, still married to today. They're still together. So Aww, that's, that's, that's sweet. What, yeah. Yeah. And apparently, they had this very sweet gig where they worked together in hotels and restaurants all around Switzerland. So far, sounds pretty based. Sounds, pretty good life yeah. so far.
1: Honestly, pretty normal. Why are we even talking
0: about this guy? Well, The thing is, the old Boy Scout itch started coming back because Uh Von Daniken seemed to have issues, as as the book that I found about him uh, so eloquently wrote... He seemed to have trouble distinguishing between his money and other people's money, which makes sense if he's going on all of those trips on a bartender's salary. I gotta tell you, bartending is fun. It is not profitable.
1: Uh huh. Uh huh. So starting starting to get a little uh, a little what, like sticky fingers. What are we talking about here? Yeah. So he
0: had um, various charges and convictions for both fraud and petty theft,
1: Uh-oh. which
0: had resulted in him receiving multiple fines and spending a bunch of time in prison.
1: Mm, prison. Eric, you're better than this. Come on.
0: He also took an interest in UFOlogy in this period. Uh, he believed that extraterrestrials, like he, you know, he was getting into UFO stuff. Keep in mind that this is the first, 50s 60s okay.
1: and uh
0: roswell was about the beginning of yeah, the ufo was,
1: craze so he was definitely walking in during that period yeah i was gonna ask i was gonna say what what was the specific reason for for his sudden interest and then yeah no that makes a lot of sense a big uh potential alien spaceship crash cover-up Ooh, very interesting indeed So if he's got these, if he's got these two, I'm just going to guess, take a little guess here. If he's got these two little hobbies and interests of both history and uh, UFOs, I'm sure at some point they would collide together in uh, in some unfortunate ways.
0: Yeah. So he started to uh, travel the world and he started to think about this possibility that ancient astronauts had visited Earth sometime in prehistory. Uh, Mm -hmm. Apparently, he was inspired by this, by a visit to Mexico in which he saw... Um, the ruins at Palenque, which if you remember from a previous yeah. episode is the whole thing about King Pakal yeah, and the rocket ship. About that. Yeah, that. Yeah. So he went and saw that and that apparently was the thing that inspired him to go down this rabbit hole of looking into all of these things and claiming that they were aliens. Gotcha. What's interesting, though, is that he's not the first person to have done this. And in the sort of burgeoning field of ufology that was growing in the 1960s, the ancient astronaut theory, like, was kind of marginalized in UFO circles uh-huh. because they thought that it was too unscientific and sensationalistic,
1: what? Uh, and that it
0: would bring the serious
1: study of UFOs into disrepute. Oh, I see. So it was. It wasn't that they were saying aliens are too out there and too wild. It, they were just saying, "Come on, we want to actually study UFOs and not 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 make." Th- this wild, out, outrageous of claims.
0: Yeah, exactly. And von Däniken completely 180'd this uh, sort of no, position in the UFO circles. he was not listening to it. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. So we got the 1960s in between bouts of going to prison for fraud and theft. Uh-huh. Uh, von Däniken starts piecing together all these you know, esoteric theories about all this ancient astronaut stuff. And he starts writing his first book, Uh possibly one that is on my desk right now that I'm looking at.
1: Oh, no. Yeah. So in
0: 1966, he wrote this book and started submitting it to different publishing houses. Apparently, 22 rejections later, he was a little bit dismayed. (laughs) Um, But in 1967, he approached a person by the name of uh, Thomas von Rando, who was the science editor of a weekly uh, magazine or newspaper called Diziet to see if they would publish his his magazine or publish it instead of publishing it as a book publishing it as a series of articles
1: oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i remember I, I came across this in my research that we did uh for the video that we did about the eternals and uh eric finds anakin yeah
0: so von rando apparently took this uh book and looked it over and thought that no this is not uh suitable for a, a, a newspaper but that it did need to be a book. Like, he's like, this yeah. is not, this, is, this shouldn't go in, our, in my publication, but you should definitely get this published somewhere. So Von Rando apparently uh, called a guy by the name of Edwin Barth von Vernalp, um, who was the head of a organization or a company called Econ Publishing, which is one of the presses that had already turned down one of uh, Von Daniken's manuscript. He made that call and basically told uh, von Vernalp, that he should meet with von daniken there's a lot of von rando von (laughs)
1: vernov and von daniken (laughs) there's a lot of vons happening in
0: in this story it's like the german version of like uh somebody with a french name starting with just means like of something i think
1: yeah absolutely i i do you know subject matter aside there is something sort of delightful about von daniken getting 22 rejections and then like going to someone else and being like look i've been trying trying to get this as a book. I understand it's not going to be a book. Could you maybe just like split it up and put it in these other and, you know, publish it as like a serialized thing? I don't know, man. I just need something. And then that that person just like, no, it must be a book like subject matter aside. If it was any other book, that would be like a triumphant it, yeah. would, it would be heartfelt, mm-hmm. uh, but unfortunately, this book sucks ass.
0: Yeah. So that's the thing is that um, Von Daniken's story is in many ways like a uh, a, a dark success story, because yeah. um, <laughs> he's never really he hasn't really had much of a comeuppance quite yet. So what happened was is that they agreed to meet for lunch.
1: All the Vons, yeah.
0: Yeah, von uh, yeah, specifically von Wernop and von Daniken would meet for lunch. And gotcha. apparently von Daniken is a very charismatic guy because by the end of lunch, uh, he agreed that Econ was going to buy his book and uh, publish about 6,000 copies
1: yeah. uh, by the time lunch was over. So very, very, uh, oh, very... I mean, yeah. His charisma is not in question. Like even in the episodes of the show he's on, like you can tell he's really into what he's talking about. Uh, you know, it's the charisma is not the problem. It's it's the knowledge and the <laughs> the everything else.
0: Uh, reportedly, afterwards, then they sent it to a guy by the name of Wilhelm Rogersdorf. Um, who is a screenwriter who apparently might have like significantly rewrote the book really? yeah, this is this is something that's a little bit like you know rumor and hearsay, but apparently okay. von Daniken maybe was had interesting ideas but wasn't exactly the strongest writer, and so once he like got sold on the ideas, they're like, all right, I'm gonna bring in the editor, and this editor apparently like went to town. On this book, oh. what came out of the process was a book by the name of "Erinnerungen uh, an die Zukunft." We're going to get some German listeners who are going to. Just I think that's
1: perfect.
0: Erinnerungen an die Zukunft. Zukunft. Okay, something, something in there, somewhere in that. Um, but apparently, this roughly translates to memories of the future. That's really Um, poetic,
1: honestly. I bet it would be even more poetic if we had a proper German pronunciation. Was it Swiss
0: German? Swiss, yeah. I I mean, Switzerland, they speak like Italian, French, German, and a indigenous language called Remunch. Okay. But
1: uh, it sounds like this is all German. It sounds like this is all German. I bet it would be even better in in a native German's tongue. Probably. So apparently von Däniken had a,
0: a very different idea of what this book was like the thesis of what this book was supposed to be in opposition to like what actually came out. Mm-hmm. Apparently it was supposed to speculate on all these things in order to inspire people, like basically to inspire space exploration. Cause you know, it was the sixties okay. and space was becoming like this big thing. And so oh, yeah. he wanted to, he wrote all about like, Oh look, all this like possibility that the ancient astronauts came. Shouldn't this inspire us to like go into space and do more space exploration. And he was saying that like, because like, you know, we are the children of aliens that our destiny is also to go out to the stars yeah so like that that our imperative should be to
1: return and find our um find
0: our progenitors
1: it's yeah yeah we're we're to the the idea of memories of the future is like you know we're discovering that aliens visited humanity and and thus we must go out Into the stars as well as they did once upon a time yeah Mm -hmm. that makes that's yeah i I mean again it's poetic i don't hate it i think it's i think it's lovely just the idea of it let alone i mean i i do not care for the actual book i'm just i can't stress that enough yeah here's the
0: thing though and this is this actually plays very much into your only context no content uh policy which is that. that he released this book in 1968. Uh, 1968, you did not need to sell people on space flight or, uh, or on, like, our destiny being in the stars. It was the 60s. Oh, yeah. The space race was at its maximum heat. We were a year from landing somebody landing on the, on the moon. moon. Yeah. So, like, what happened was is that this book comes out with this thesis that, you know, humanity should go to the stars. People don't particularly, you know, like, that doesn't really move them because everyone's already sold on space flight. Yeah, they're like, yeah, man, duh. But the ancient alien stuff really... Really captured their imaginations. Mm. And that is what really people latched onto. And so this book uh, would go on to become a, a really huge bestseller. And I'm going to go into what happened to Von Daniken after the release <gasps> of uh, Memories of the Future, as I'm going to awesome. call it. Fantastic. I'm excited to hear about it. But first. No. But first, uh, we need to get our own. uh, Like Von Daniken, we also need to get money from other people. So,
1: um, products and services. We're going to go steal a whole bunch of money. Be right back.
0: Oh, man, I stole me
1: a golden turlet. Uh I only stole me a, a spare piece of drywall. That wasn't a very helpful thrift at all.
0: I gotta gotta tell you, I gotta put a story in this. Um, So I'm currently playing in a Dungeons and Dragons campaign where we're doing like Curse of Strahd and we're like in this castle to save this person who's gone missing. Mm -hmm. And we're like, this person could be dead. We have no idea where they are. This is an emergency. We need to be rushing as fast as possible. We spent the first like 50 minutes to an hour of our last session um, trying to, we found some chests full of coins and just trying to see how much of it we could just stuff into our backpacks as possible.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, just how much of it
0: we could just cram and still be able to walk. <laughs> and then we're like all right, now that we have like including like 50,000 pennies basically Mm -hmm. and it's just like okay like how do we fit 50,000 pennies in our backpack and like what are we doing are we supposed to be saving a person
1: oh right yeah let's go do that and that's how much money we made on that ad break Mm -hmm. 50,000 pennies
0: yep approximately 500 gold so back to eric von daniken um do we
1: have to yeah we
0: do we, we can talk about D for the rest of the episode that's a different podcast although um mm, I, I smell a uh i smell like a holiday special uh Ooh. of an ancient astronaut themed D one shot that sounds session? like something. oh
1: that would be fun hey if you want to see that uh go follow us on twitter at probs not aliens <laughs> there you go all right, let's talk about Eric von
0: Daniken, I guess. Okay. So, Eric von Daniken was not the first person to write about ancient astronauts, but he definitely uh, flung it into fame as it said, uh, a combination of good timing and an emerging hunger for these kinds of ideas. There was a really big interest in space. There was really big interest in UFOs. There was really big interest in like, you know, like kind of like alternative, like, you know, kind of spiritually stuff. Yeah, All that stuff was kind of coming together at one time. And then this book comes out. That's like I I, I figured out how to make chocolate peanut butter and a third thing.
1: Yeah. (laughs) We've mixed this other thing together. We've mixed all of these ideas that you are craving this is an incredibly craveable book and Mm -hmm. i've got all the things that you need inside of here just read it
0: in the 1960s traditional religion was starting to uh suffer and uh, a lot of young people were no longer part of like the traditional church and so a lot of disillusioned people started to see ancient astronaut theory as sort of a new kind of religion. It was, yes, yeah, suited to a time period where we were, um, you know, where we were moving away from, you know, tradition
1: and religion and moving towards yeah. things that sounded scientific and historical. But but still trying to find some sort of spirituality in the scientific, you
0: know? Yeah. And, and, and I will say that this book sounds like it's history and sounds like it's scientific, even even if it's all, you know, fake and wrong, but it it kind of fits that like like vein and if you are kind of in the process of leaving religion, this is a thing to sort of fill that religion shaped hole uh with something that sounds believable.
1: Yeah, and it even sounds it feels a little spiritual as well as we're as you're talking about, you know, other ancient civilizations that may have worshiped aliens as gods and like you know what does that mean for you and like what does that mean for us as humanity and yeah i don't know it, there's there's big questions in there about about humanity and about our place in the universe and and it it just it ticks all of these boxes that makes you that just like fits Perfectly into this little piece of time that that everyone's interested in all of these ideas.
0: Now, this is from a book called Invented History or Invented Knowledge. Sorry. Um, so there's a I, 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 this connection. I'm not gonna. I don't think I can make myself think it's the author, but I, I want to put it out there because okay. this sort of like pseudo religion popping up around ancient astronauts uh, theory. Even if it has no basis in fact, didn't deter that in this period. Possibly inspired by this, a whole bunch of UFO or ancient alien cults started to pop up. Probably the most famous ones that you would know about are Heaven's Gate. Um, is that are you familiar
1: with Heaven's Gate? I that you know it sounds familiar. I'm not really up to date on my cults.
0: Uh, so, so Heaven's Gate was a. I remember this is like one of those like pri- like because I was like a child when this happened. It's one of the um, one of those like uh, primordial child memories that you only half remember but it was a cult that basically believed it was a ufo cult that believed i don't exactly like they that a ufo is going to come by and basically beam up their souls and uh in 1995 i want to say they committed mass suicide Oh, um, and what like what was like really like the thing that everyone remembers is that like they all wore this same like Nike shoes and these like track suits. And there was like this this footage that I can like still like I can see clear as day in my head of like people walking through the house and every Everybody's like lying in like these bunk beds, and you they are they're covered with um covered with blankets, and you can just see their feet sticking out, and like they're all dead.
1: Um,
0: it was like, yeah, is Heaven's Gate, and and the fact that like because of um their host, Heaven's Gate's website is still up, and it like looks like 1995 still.
1: Well, most of that story was grim, but Mm. I do love old websites. But, uh, but yeah,
0: like Heaven's Gate, uh, reportedly has inspiration from, you know, Von Daniken's theories. Another one that is probably more common and a little bit less, uh, overtly, uh, no, it's it's much. It's also sad and very, very dark, which is also oh. the Church of Scientology.
1: Oh, come on. Probably the
0: most successful ancient alien cult to have sprung up you know, by a very Von Daniken-esque figure in L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> do we need to do an episode about Sci- the Church Ooh. of Scientology?
0: I mean, that would be really fun uh, because, yeah, L. Ron Hubbard definitely uh, and Scientology is quite a bit. But there's also a really great Behind the Bastards 2 part okay. on L. Ron Hubbard that I would probably say is... Way better, but Scientology and the Scientology ancient astronaut claims, I mean, that's always something fun to do. Let us know if you want our particular spin yeah. on it. Um, yeah, but most people read Von, Dan- read Von Daniken because they liked the, it sort of had this quirky and offbeat uh, description of artifacts and events from ancient times. Um, and it was so much more fun to read than, you know, conventional archaeology. Because one of the things that kind of stuck out is this is before like a lot of like public uh, facing yeah. academics was like not less of a thing back then. Mm-hmm. And so this was talking about history and archaeology in an accessible way that was you know fun and and really really tuned for public consumption when like you know a lot of archaeology was just dry dense science yeah. stuff right
1: would you and then I would you say that talking about history in a fun and accessible way is is also how you would describe uh, the YouTube channel step back
0: it is and to the point where that um there was a time where I when I applied for my PhD my my like letter of intent was very very much about this being the goal that i want to do with my life but yeah step back oh, great channel yeah
1: very big amazing. fan amazing I mean, yeah, it's it's important. It's important to be able to to talk and to to teach people about history and these really important and interesting subjects in a way that is interesting and really is engaging. and it just sucks that the person who is able to do that so effectively is someone who got it so wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when this book uh, this book did gangbusters in
0: German and it got translated to a bunch of languages and where it really, really went wild is when it was translated in English under the title chariots of the gods there it is we yeah. said it uh, yeah it was a bestseller it was translated into English appearing in Britain in 1969 and the United States in 1970 and Oh boy! Everyone loved it. It was written in a conversational style that makes for like you know very enjoyable reading, and um, it was very easy to uh, suspend disbelief while reading it. And it took off selling millions of copies to the point where by December of the year that it was released, it had become the best-selling book in West Germany. That's amazing!
1: I again, I'm like trying to like go back to being neutral about Eric von Daniken for a second and just be like, wow, good job, Eric, you did it. We love A success story. We love, we, I was gonna say, we love a girl boss. Oh my <laughs> god, about who Eric McAnakin is, anyway. <laughs> um, okay, um, yeah, my
0: brain is rotten <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> it was, it is, it was, ta- it took off, it uh got translated a bunch of languages after that. Uh, there was a television documentary based on it. There was even a theatrical film which he reportedly got mad at because. Like they sold the rights to the book to make it into a movie, but then mm. the movie turned out to be like basically like a science fiction movie. And Eric Fontanekin wasn't a fan of that. He was like, no, hey, this is real.
1: No, that's like when you take the Da Vinci Code and you make it a fictional movie movie. That's um, not fun.
0: There's an episode in the future of me just ripping on like I was, I'll I'll do it. I'll do like I I have read uh, I think two of the Dan Brown like pseudo history novels. Yeah. Uh, followed by and I think I actually like the third one, the one that is took place in Washington D.C. I, I literally could not finish. It was so like I, it was just his. It was just driving me nuts. And like I know it's fiction and it's fine. Yeah. Um, but then like they started doing stuff like. Like, uh, like, you know, uh, Da Vinci Code tours and stuff like that in Europe. And I
1: was like, oh, mm. people believe this shit. I hate it. Well, I mean, I, look, we're, we're only partly through this episode so far, and I'm loving it. So I, I suspect more biography episodes are on the horizon in some <laughs> capacity. Yeah.
0: So um, in the Dan Brown sense, chapter 423, uh, <laughs> moving on to the next thing. So obviously, Chariots was a mega hit and people wanted more Von Daniken, more ancient aliens, more. And Von Daniken was ready to give it to them.
1: Not slowing down for anyone.
0: Yeah, he has been able to write, I think at this point, over 30 books about ancient astronaut theory. Although many people will point out that a lot of his books, especially his most like recent books, are more just reshufflings and rewrites of Chariots of the Gods, I was which gonna gives ask, me quite yeah. a vibe for Ancient Aliens, because Ancient Aliens also feels like it's constantly <laughs> rewriting and just, like, you know,
1: rephrasing itself as we move on. Yep. The, how many seasons can we get out of the same dozen theories? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, at some point, you gotta run. I mean, you're a historian. You can tell me I'm way off base here, but at some point you just run out of history right like at some point the call of duty video games had to move away from world war ii you know yeah
0: i mean unless you want to just go the history route which is just finding ever new ways to look at the same evidence and you know all sorts of wacky ways so, like you could do it but like the fact is like apparently i have not read the 30 plus uh repertoire of uh, of of von daniken but it sounds like it's a lot of just reshuffling and rewriting the same thing without adding new analysis or new content or anything like that. Doesn't sound like he's breaking new ground. No, so there's there's a lot of thought that a lot of Von Däniken's like later works are a lot are very uh, repetitive and derivative. So 1970s, you know, or like this, like Von Däniken was on top of the world. Everything was going great. Oh yeah, uh, but then he started to get, they started to get approached by another uh, big fan of his work, and that was Interpol. Who oh, had no. some questions about the Boy Scout? Was it the Boy Scout stuff that he did? Oh, used? this is much bigger than the Boy Scout oh, stuff. Okay. <laughs> um, so it turns out that he didn't pay some taxes oh, uh, no. for his business. And then as Interpol started to look more into his activities, They turned out that he had probably about 350,000 British pounds worth of personal debt, which is equivalent to uh, this is a 1968, by the way, which Uh is equivalent to about 750,000 American dollars.
1: American dollars in 1968 or today? Yeah, 1968. Oh, no. (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go to inflation calculator real quick because I need to know what that means today. Oh, do you want to guess? I, do you want to take a good guess?
0: I'm gonna say about two and a half million. Oh,
1: it is over six million oh dollars six million dollars also inflation is so bad yeah oh
0: man so he was arrested um yeah. put in front of put in front of a court that <laughs> uh-huh. found him guilty and he was sentenced to three and a half years in prison along with a fine uh but luckily at the same time his book was a bestseller around the world so he was uh just raking in those royalty checks and by the time he was was out of prison. He had already paid off all of his fines and all of his debts because of the book did so good. Yeah. So can you imagine like having like can you imagine like making your most viral video ever and then being put in prison and you have to like sit in prison while like that mm. you could just like see on the dashboard that one of ten uh, just just show, just showing crazier and crazier numbers. Uh,
1: That's yeah. a very
0: insider <laughs> YouTube uh, reference <laughs> gonna there. Say. And he did try to get his conviction nullified, which was unsuccessful, but. He did not um, have to serve his full sentence. Some people, I'm not saying us, but some people might think that this is a sign that Von Daniken might not be the most honest or person of no. integrity. No, 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 and no. And that no. that might cast some doubt on his works that claim to be about facts and analysis and
1: stuff. They're saying his big amounts of debt it makes him look sort of like a a grifter a little swindler sort of a guy Just a little bit, yeah, a, little yeah, bit yeah. a little bit a little bit okay then it's certainly one I, I won't argue with that that's certainly one way you could look at it i would say all the things he got wrong also prove that he's not <laughs> knowledgeable there's that
0: too um he also started to run afoul of uh the church and so german churches started uh openly criticizing him in the media um mm. because he they thought that he was trying to replace God and, like, because of all the, you know, stuff about
1: the Bible, replacing yeah. God and angels with aliens. They're probably not a big fan of Von Daniken then, yeah.
0: No. So, that led to an interesting thing of him going to prison around the time that these churches were criticizing him. Mm-hmm. So, there's a conspiracy theory that Daniken's legal problems were trumped up uh, because the clergy basically like,
1: uh, like, like, it was like a setup by the church. They got <laughs> um, him. They got him. Stop talking about angels and gods and things like that get out of here we don't like you
0: so despite the fact that he has a long history of uh the this kind of behavior there's a lot of people who thought that he was he was set up and so he was able to play the martyr oh my god that's so annoying also during the 1970s and you can imagine because we've talked about this in our i think it was like the third or fourth episode of the show Mm -hmm. uh about what kind of damage this caused in the 1970s uh they translated, they translated the book into Bengali, and it became a huge mega-seller in India. Uh, I'm sure that that's not going to have any effect on right-wing Indian nationalism at all. Oops. In 1978, he also became the subject of a documentary called The Case of the Ancient Astronauts, which was done by Nova. And it was basically a thorough debunking of all of his ideas and pointing out all of his fabrication uh, all of his fabricated evidence.
1: Oh wait! So the case of the ancient astronauts was not—it was not a case for the ancient astronauts. No, it was against it fully. So,
0: ancient aliens is based on a book that was debunked in 1978. Great. <laughs> yeah. Um. So all of these things together led to him kind of having a loss of popularity. He had a difficult time finding a publisher for any of his new books. And for a while, he wrote uh, He wrote his 10th book in 1982 called The Gods and Their Grand Design. And it was his last book to appear in English for a long period of time. He couldn't get English translators mm-hmm. for his work. Although, even though he couldn't get books published in English, he was still writing books in German. And between 1983 and 1994, he
1: published 11 books. Oh my, what am I doing, <laughs> yeah. Kristen? What am I doing? I'm sitting here like, oh, I've only made two videos this year. He made 11 books in as many years, I think.
0: Yeah. He's basically yeah. Doing, clipping out a book a year. Uh, in 1996, he wrote a book called Eyes of the Sphinx and managed to have that translated into English. So he was starting to come back because Uh-oh. something interesting was going on in the 90s um, mm. in the realm of UFOs and interest. So on the 10th of September, 1993, a little TV show on Fox started to take America by storm. Mm. A little show. Called The X-Files. The show that
1: our theme song is a ripoff of? Yeah.
0: Amazing. So so, so the X-Files became like a mega hit in America and around the world. And wouldn't you believe it? That that uh, sparked people's interest in Eric Von Daniken again, and he had a sort of second life—not second life, like the place where uh, people go to have sex on the internet or something—but yeah. like a second. Uh, was a, a that second... also
1: popular in 1993? No, no, no. Yeah. It looks
0: like it's from 1993, but it no, it sure does. i have nothing against second life. You know, you do you. Um, I don't. I don't know anything about it. I know very
1: little about
0: it. So the thi- So so the X Files comes out, huge thing. And sort of like re bring re back, wow, um, that's like when I said once to my wife, I was like, oh, I need to fig- I need to pull out some chicken. We need to dethaw it tomorrow, and I was like, wait a minute, that's not that's de-thaw. not how that works. I need to dethaw fr- the chicken,
1: freeze it. That's right. Um, so, so it- exercise comes out. <laughs> Eric Fontanacan yeah, so, making waves again.
0: But here's the thing. Um, the X-Files also in the show had a bunch of different paranormal stuff happen in the show. But one of them was that there were alien visitations in the ancient past. So ancient astronaut theory oh. actually like played a role in the plot of the X-Files. Uh, I don't know, because I was watching it with my dad and I was this is 1993. So I would have been four years old. And I
1: found that show very scary. So mm. I, I did. it is. I mean, yeah, I, I felt the same way. Did did other this is just like a. you might not know this. Maybe you do. Do we know if X-Files affected anything else outside in a similar way outside of this? Like, I'm sure people started believing in aliens more in general, like or if they did other like episodes about, I don't know, lizard people or Bigfoot or whatever. Did like those episodes also spark Interest in you know, that sort of stuff. I don't. That know. is
0: very good to. I want. I would like to. That's a question I would very much like to answer. I don't know the answer, but uh, I do know that it did lead to a uh, re in, like a growth in uh, or a revitalization of interest in UFOs and stuff. We yeah. kind of talked about this in like the Roswell thing. Remember, like how this is also around the time that like the alien autopsy stuff started coming out and like yeah. the um, the um, unsolved mysteries episode on that's Roswell. Right. And so like, in the 90s, there was this big resurgence in interests in UFOs. Furthermore, and this is, this, I'm only saying this because it's uh, really kind of veering into the content of my next video, but it also was a time of a growing conspiracy theory mindset in America. Mm. This was the time of uh, major standoffs at places like Ruby Ridge and Waco, which was leading to these groups of like militia of people who were uh, very much tied into this idea that the federal government was like, you know, evil and doing all these conspiracies. And, um, I mean, that ultimately led to the Oklahoma city bombing, which is what my video is about. But, um, mm. yeah. So like, there was like a bunch of stuff going on. I kind of talked about this, um, off camera or off mic with you at one point about how this is, um, why I think that men in black is like the V nineties movie, because yeah. it, uh, hits on two things that were really, really big in American paranoia at that time, which is, Um, like illegal immigrants and aliens. And that the first scene, the opening scene in uh, Men in Black is literally them Stopping a group of like uh, of immigrants uh, coming across the American southern border, and then they're like, "Ha, oh, we're going to stop you!" And then you're like, "Oh, this is like kind of like you know this is an illegal immigrant thing." And then they're like, "Everyone move aside, we're going for that guy who's the alien, alien." And it's like that's uh-huh. the whole
1: that was the whole joke. We as kids didn't realize they were we doing a no racism. And now look at Will Smith. Where's he at now? <laughs> Just,
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm surprised that story still has legs. I thought that was one of those stories that people would have forgotten like. 12 hours after it was over, but no, I'm sure by the time I'm up, I'm editing this episode. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Another thing too came out in the sort of same time, probably riding on that same popularity was this um, little Kevin Bacon film called Stargate. Oh, we've gotten
1: requests to watch this and make an episode about it.
0: Yeah. It was weird because I'm like a huge science fiction fan, but I've actually, I've seen Stargate the movie, but I haven't watched any of the like many, many TV show spinoffs. And so I probably should at some point, but um. The movie Stargate. Uh, the plot of it is about the discovery of a alien artifact in ancient Egyptian
1: ruins. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes um, sense. Why we've been asked to do an episode about it? <laughs> yeah, because like
0: ancient aliens, basically, or ancient astronaut theory, basically, is the premise of Stargate. That like makes sense. There is like a portal, like that. There's portals between worlds that are like basically based in you know, that ancient Egypt was aliens yeah. and. And that, yeah, the mythology of the gods of ancient Egypt were actually, like, these parasite aliens. The movie actually didn't do super great, but in 1997, they made a TV show called Stargate SG-1, which had tons and tons, like, you know, was on the air forever. And then they did a spin-off series called Stargate Atlantis, which ran from 2004 to 2009. And I'm hearing uh, scuttlebutt that they're trying to bring Stargate back yet again. And I, like... One of my good friends, Mia Mulder, is a huge fan of Stargate, uh, and yeah. she says it's very good. And so I probably should watch it. At some I'll, point.
1: I'll watch it. Yeah, we'll do a whole we'll do a, a whole additional podcast where we watch Stargate episode by episode.
0: No, oh, man. Uh, the other thing too is that there was a movie called Stargate: The Ark of Truth, mm. which was a, a movie based on the TV shows, and it was a 2008 direct to DVD release.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, one
0: of those, one of those great ones. So think about so you're you're riding high, things are yeah, going great. Yeah. 90s are going great for, for Eric Von oh. What What is the next step after you write a bunch of hit books? What would you do next?
1: What would I do? So I wrote a bunch of hit books. I got all the money in the world. But I, I imagine, and if not, I can always steal some more. I'm Eric Von Daniken. But what I would do is probably settle down, say that I have enough, say that I'm done with with my thing, with my grift, with my, you know, maybe just do some stuff for me. You know what I mean? Incorrect. The answer is start a theme park. Oh, Uh, (laughs) yeah, that makes my that thing. That actually makes way more sense than what I was saying.
0: Yeah. In the Swiss uh, in the Swiss city of Interlaken, um, he started a place called Mystery Park in 2003. Um, One ticket cost thirty eight dollars to get in. And um, that's nice. I mean, compared to Disney, that's not bad. (laughs) And von daniken apparently this park went really apparently uh mystery park was just extremely popular uh competing with all of the various wonderful things that you can do as a tourist in switzerland which is a lot um this podcast brought to you by the tourism council of switzerland Um, (laughs) uh, so the park did so well that uh it opened in 2003 and closed in 2006
1: so it didn't even last the entire time I was in high school. <laughs> mm, I did also run this through the inflation calculator. Uh, not a big, not a big uh, difference as last time. It was about sixty dollars today. There you go. Which is not as fun as the other thing that I said earlier.
0: Now the book that I uh, I got a lot of this from. It, it came out in two thousand nine. So the way that it ends, it's like von Daniken continues to write to this day, and his like latest book came out in two thousand nine. It looks like he's his uh, his career is really on the down, like is really on the downward slope. Um, And I'm like, they don't know. They don't know what's coming. But we know Yeah, We, we know that he's 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 kept going. His latest book is called um all right let's get this one this is a this is a mouthful confessions of an egyptologist lost libraries vanished labyrinths and the astounding truth under the saqqara pyramids which came out in 2021 so he's, he's he's still at it and now because of the popularity of ancient aliens on the history channel he's he's riding high now i think ancient aliens might be past its you know its peak popularity wise probably but, but uh but i think that he's still you know he's pretty old at this point like he's uh coming up on i think he's like he's in this uh he's almost 90 so like you know he's 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 up there but he's still at it he's been at this
1: game for over 50 years now goodness well done eric i mean not really well everything you've done is not well done but Mm -hmm. you know good on you for keeping it going i guess why am i like being on his side more than not i don't know what's (laughs) happening
0: I don't know. But uh, in part two, we'll do a little bit on how he keeps thinking of all of these original ideas.
1: Yeah. All right. So we know that his career did not end in 2009. It continues on to this day. And Mm -hmm. we'll learn more about that next time, I suppose. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of It's Probably Not Aliens. Follow us on Twitter at Probs Not Aliens. That would be Mm -hmm. amazing if you could do that. Uh, let us know if you like these sort of biography episodes. Yeah, uh, Tristan, where can people find more of you? Uh,
0: you can go to stepbackhistory.com, and I make videos about history. I I just finished filming my first my first shooting session since December of 2021, so I'm uh, I'm finally getting back on the post baby um, video making train.
1: Yeah, you're 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 the in the post baby. Post baby sort of mindset, yeah. yeah. Post
0: baby, post production.
1: Um, you can find me at Nerd Sync. It's a YouTube channel, N E R D S Y N C. If you want to, it's I think it's probably the best YouTube channel. But uh, that's just really what I have to say about that's it. That's what they're
0: saying in YouTube Weekly.
1: Yeah, they're publishing all about it. It's a huge hit. All of my very good videos. To be fair, you do write all the articles in that magazine, but you it's know. a little biased. Unlike this episode, where I was very unbiased about Eric Von Daniken the entire time um hey leave reviews on this on apple podcast we appreciate it all all of you who do that uh it's the only way that we can really grow it's reviews and telling your friends
0: yeah and so until next time the truth is out there probably <laughs>
1: That's an X-Files thing. The truth, yeah, yeah.